Hello and welcome uh, to our next interview uh, for Cult Divinity Lost. We have most esteemed guests of honor today, and I am so excited and have been dreaming about this moment uh, for quite oh some time. We have uh, Gunilla as well as Michael. Uh, say hi to everyone. Hi, <laughs> everyone. <laughs> Hello, every all, all of our cult fans. Um, so for those who are just watching, who might have been joining up for the new Kickstarter, Vanilla uh, and Michael, why don't you tell them why, what has your been involvement with cults? Well, we got an, a job some 25, 30 years ago to make a horror game. Uh, a smallish horror game for the Swedish market. Yes. An adult population. <laughs> because the kids, all the kids who have played our earlier game with mutant rabbits, they had grown up into teenagers and they discovered sex and, and violence and horror and drugs and stuff. All and nice things. In life. Yeah. And our game publisher said, well, maybe we should do something for the teenagers. A bit more grown up with you know like those uh, movies like Hellraiser and, Hellbound, and um, from beyond the, that are really new and nobody has seen them in Sweden before so well this was the late eight, eight, 1980s late, late 1989 so basically Fredrik Malmberg who uh, still owns the property, um, asked us to come up to uh, their office in Frihamnen and to show us their new project and ask if we were thinking about doing something for this. And basically they had a table filled with illustrations, drawn illustrations and photos and everything, basically from every horror movie they could lay their hands on. And some uh, comic books. Some uh, comic books as well, yeah. Mm -hmm. And told us, what do you think about this? We make an excellent game with demons on motorbikes and and people who got shot and then they rise again. They have to shoot them again and they fall down. And they rise again. And you, and you know, spike, etc. Et and spike and spike. Did I say spikes? Yeah, yeah spikes. spikes. A lot of spikes. So that was sort of the first idea. Something you see uh, horror movie-ish. So we basically started, we went home, we started thinking about this uh, and put a silly working name on the game. I mean, nobody in their right mind would keep such a name as Cult on the road. <laughs> it's just a working title. It's we'll just a working title. We'll figure out something, something good, good later, later on. on. Yeah, so, and uh, you know, a couple decades later, it's still that working title. Maybe one day it'll, it'll, yeah, it'll have that final one down. And the guys from Hell just <laughs> Now is the time to change it. Exactly. <laughs> we we almost got it. But nostalgia will sell more and yada yada yada. I think they should have changed the name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The horror game or, or darkness abides. So, oh. no, no, no. No, no. No. So basically, we went home. We started thinking. We watched a lot of our favorite movies, which were as Gunilla mentioned. Hellbound, Hellraiser, everything but Stuart Gordon. We love Stuart Gordon. So mm -hmm. sad he died, actually. 
Yeah. Um, we start reading Clive Barker, which we enjoyed simply before, and start thinking, hmm, maybe there is something here we can steal. <laughs> and we were fans of uh, William Burroughs and Cassia Acker and that kind of literature, which was quite frequently read in the 1980s. Mm -hmm. And we listened a lot to European goth music. Like Sis of Mercy. Sis of Mercy, Field of Nephilim. Yeah. So we sort of merge it all together to so, and put in some occultism because we had been dabbling in uh, Crowleyan magics as it was. So, so we actually thought, what about putting real magic? into a role-playing game. So we actually thought, okay, let's do it the way it really should work. Let's have the rituals, let's have the concentration, like let's have will is the law mm -hmm. and make it work like real magic. So yeah, so we started a rather long process talking about this with uh, what we call in those days, Eventyrspel, which were the original publishers of cult. Mm -hmm. They are not nowadays, they are basically the paradox yeah. And Carbonet, uh, which owns the property. And uh, we started throwing these balls of thoughts between ourselves and the uh, editors working on Eventus um, Beer. And they said, more demons, they have to rise and fall and die a bit more. And we <laughs> said, we could have some more occult structures in here, that would be nice. And maybe a very complex background world structure would be nice. More demons. But after all this, we finally managed all together. So actually, a lot of this is also due to Mr. Gullikson and uh, Johan Anglemark, who yeah. put a lot of input into this. We managed to, together, though we did write the entire thing, of course, and we are responsible for the game, the first edition as it is. So everything that's wrong with it, you can blame on us. And uh, hopefully you li like some parts of it as well. It turned out rather well. Yeah. So to a big surprise, it actually got sold to seven countries and started a huge debate here in Sweden about violence, sex, and drugs. And yeah, the, games. the evangelical Christians didn't yeah. like it. We had a bunch of them. We didn't even know that we had them before we released the game. But they were new in Sweden. Sweden. So they just popped up and said, you are responsible for all evils. Who are you? We are the evangelical Christians you haven't heard of before. because We the, work from God directly. The state church in Sweden, actually, people there liked it. We, they even used it with, how do you say, confirmation classes in church. So... The church code. So yeah, so, yeah this was we, we were quite uh, surprised surprised when I, they popped up and pointed at us. But perhaps this is something he's going to ask us later on. Perhaps. perhaps oh, I could listen to you guys talk like forever. Yeah. I mean, so you guys have been working on this uh, for 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 a while. How was that? How was it kind of approaching uh, this game together? Like co-writing and, and kind of who focused on one thing and how did you guys make this amazing beautiful thing together? We 
don't tend to work a lot directly together. We, it's not, we don't work the way that some other writers do, that one mm -hmm. person writes one part, another person writes the second part. We do tend to write it all together. Um, we did thought, think a lot about the structure and the mythos the world together, build, the world build, yeah. Mm -hmm. We did it with, we did a lot of thinking before we started writing. We did a lot of thinking, traveling in Berlin, in Paris, in Rome. That's where the big city metropolis, the basis for humanity is city building idea came from. So basically we had it clear in our heads when we started writing. I don't think you can write that complex a thing if you just start in one end and try to get to the end because you will derail. That is yeah. uh, for sure. So we had the whole world building pretty clear yeah. in our heads. The connection to Kabbalah was very early. Yeah. And because we're two, we can talk and when one when I forget something, Mike will remember, and vice versa. So we can. Well, I never remember anything. <laughs> so we can <laughs> build this structure together and keep it together. I think more efficiently than one person can yeah. do. After all, two small heads better than one. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's basically how how we work. We yeah. all we do the same thing. Though these days we make scenarios to campaigns or novels we yeah. also write we write everything together and we talk a lot beforehand yeah. and walk a lot um, we yeah. plot we are plotters we plot intensely before we write and during the writing <laughs> uh, so how was it kind of looking at the the kickstarter uh, a couple years ago for the new edition of cult divinity lost uh, what, what were kind of your reactions, your feelings to kind of see this, uh, basically your your baby grow and, and change? We did tell them to go and contact Fredrik Malmberg. Yeah. Uh, so we weren't that surprised. Um, and they wanted to, first they wanted to use our old texts mm -hmm. for the new edition and we told them that no, it's, old. It, it's, it's too 90s. old, it, it's, it's, uh, it has to be rewritten. Yeah, it has to be modernized somehow. And mm -hmm. then we, we read the parts that Petter wrote as he, as he wrote them. And I we, think it's, it's got a lot better. Yeah, we gave a lot of feedback and Petter was nice enough to actually listen to us. <laughs> he did, it was nice yeah, of him. He did. He did, actually, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Petter is rather nice, even yeah. though he looks like he. Like He's a little bit afraid of me. Oh, that's all. Yeah, I was talking to uh, Petter the other day. Awesome guy. <laughs> Definitely super nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's really nice. He's, he's a, a sweet nice kid. He's a sweet kid, yeah. <laughs> so, like, um, you have this uh, amazing project and no doubt you guys have been ingrained in cult for some time and you have a new book coming out uh was it later this year or early next year we don't know with this corona but probably late this year it's part two of our um, trilogy hopefully the trilogy yeah. part one and four. two will, will be published in english at the same time 
death is only the beginning and uh, the, the living dead. The living dead. We even have a title for even if we if we get to make a book three, we have a title to that one as well. But it's never going to be you. We will change if you can't keep yeah, that. No, title. No, 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 no. You can't keep but, a working title. No, no. <laughs> you always keep a working title. Yeah, our first game was called Mutant, and that was also you can't call the game Mutant. Mutant? But no, <laughs> no, it's a working title. Yeah. It's still around in a lot of incarnations. Yeah, I think it's perfect. It's a, it's a nice, easy title. I think definitely for, for people who kind of want to, to dive more into the world, kind of these other media outlets are amazing. Uh, so what's the synopsis of your books and, and where do you see it going in the future if you had all the resources to just continue writing? Actually, when we started on the books, it was a way to rediscover the cult world for us, because mm -hmm. for us, we hadn't played cult in 10 years. We, play, we still play a lot of role-playing games, but we had left cult behind somehow. So we rediscovered it yeah. through this, these books, and we rediscovered it through our relationship to Berlin in Germany. Mm -hmm because that was a very important city when we wrote the original game. The main influence for Metropolis is actually Berlin just after the wall fell. Yeah, we were there just after the Mauerfall, and this city with... Two cities beside yeah, each streets other. ending in nothing, and a lot Pick of buildings, ruins, and very different styles, and ruins and very high rises just close to each other. That was very much an inspiration for Metropolis. So we went back there and this book, it's partly about the Berlin Wall and it's about magicians and it's about art and totalitarianism, Nazis. That was part of cult from the beginning as well. It's, mm. it's a very freedom, Anarchist. And we felt now, well, the fascists are popping up all around us again. Fucking yeah. Fascists. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> what are they doing here? Uh, yeah. theme. And we did make a scenario called The Seven Sisters. Yeah, I uh, actually ran that game on stream about uh, two weeks ago. Okay. Uh, they loved yeah. it, and actually here at TTRP Theater, we're doing it uh, tomorrow. Uh, with okay, those awesome that's, nice. that's <laughs> I, nice. I'm super excited. It's sort of a silly Hellboyish take on it, and it's it's connected to the books as well. It's the same. We do have some some characters popping up in both yeah. both the first and second book and in the uh, adventure. Yeah, yeah, it's, so it's been the super exciting. So will tie into that as well yeah. Be because this feels like a theme that works well with cult. Now we thought a bit about uh, surveillance, society, modern mm -hmm. technology problem, but that doesn't fit so well into cult. At least I no. think so. It, it's a very mm, meaty and physical game, and you shouldn't mm -hmm. sort of drift away into cyberspace and be surveyed by the government. You should be 
in the flesh and be tortured by the government. That's more cult. Yeah. <laughs> more, more cult-like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Basically, we are still working on the things to cult, and we hope to get a third book as well, but that depends on the publishers, yeah. both the Swedish and the US ones. Yeah. But in the best of all worlds, we could only make role-playing games and books and live on it, but uh, sadly, no, we have to work for a living. Because we eat. We that's eat. a problem. Yeah, yes. a problem. Yeah, that's, uh, that's been something I've been trying to get past, too. I mean, what's it like going to work day in and day out? And uh, has has anyone ever connected like you with the creation of cult at the at the where you guys work at? Yeah, we yeah. work at a science fiction bookstore. Oh, <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> the largest sci-fi bookstore change in um, probably in the northern Europe, but at least in Sweden, in the northern countries, three stores, and uh, yeah, we work there. We worked there since we published Cult, so everybody knows about role-playing games and us here, because yeah. this is a very small place. And have you guys ever uh, gone to any conventions? Yeah, uh, in two different areas, actually. We went to a hell of a lot of conventions in the late 80s and in the 90s, almost, I mean, a couple of conventions every year. We also used to run convention scenarios Mm -hmm. on in these uh, yeah. conventions. For example, this A Voice from the Past. Jim Morrison, Jim Morrison and you play the Pope. Um, the scenario is yeah. actually the first scenario ever done for cult. Yeah, the first one we wrote. Yeah. That was a uh, convention scenario, so we did a lot of those. And then since about approximately three, four years ago, we started going back to conventions. And we are not we did write a Call of Cthulhu scenario for a Stockholm for a Swedish convention that got cancelled because of the pandemic. So mm. it's going to be published instead by the Swedish publisher of Call of Cthulhu. And we did write a huge campaign for the Swedish edition of Call of Cthulhu as well, which is going to be published later on this year. <laughs> so we, we do write a lot of role-playing game stuff. We started going to conventions again. We are Still playing role-playing games after more than oh my god, 35 years. What what are you guys playing yeah. right now? Right now we we have just finished uh, test playing the Call of Cthulhu campaign. Mm -hmm. It's uh, a Nordic campaign in the 20s with uh, well Iceland, uh, Norway, and Sweden. And now we're gonna play Eclipse Space with a good friend because that's Ooh, a nice. nice game. Yeah, wonderful game actually. We really like Eclipse Space. We played it before, but we are updating our characters to the new edition and starting with a new campaign. We usually tend to play long campaigns. We also played quite a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. Actually, with the original basic set through Advanced Dungeons and Dragons all the way through all the editions except Edition Four, which we hate. <laughs> edition 5 when that got released. Yeah. We play most games. Yeah, we yeah. played a long, long campaign in the Swedish opening game Western, which is going to be partly published in, uh, <laughs> in English as well. It's, it's a great game. We played it even starting with the first edition. We played it in the second and third edition. We wrote a lot of material for the third edition. We did write some material for the fourth edition. <laughs> The guild brings who made the game. Yeah. So it's a really nice game. A nice yeah. person as well. 
I feel like we, we've covered a lot, but but obviously the, there's still so much to, to talk about. Cult's such this, this big universe, and when you guys came back to it, you know, um, uh, years later, what changed? I guess has it evolved in, in terms of your perspective? Yeah, I think it has. It, we had to start rethinking when we talked with Helmbergast about the new edition. That's when we felt that we shouldn't write this new edition because we can do things for it, we can write a book, but we shouldn't write a second edition. Because basically I think we felt that a lot of things that were young and uh, cool, cool then are pretty silly now. And, days, yeah. and some things are more difficult, like the very individualistic perspective it has a uh, almost neoliberal tinge to it sometimes mm -hmm. even though we are anarchists and definitely not neoliberals no mm -hmm. we're we're quite far out to the left flank of the this <laughs> <political laughs> pattern but uh, you play around with what you have and in the early 90s those were tropes that we used to make a fun world, and now it feels like, oh my god, Steve Bannon used the same tropes. I think maybe the Warsawski sisters feel the same when the mm -hmm. uh, alt-right uh, talks not, about red yeah. and blue pills. It feels like, oops, the bad guys got to our baby and took some stuff out of it. Yeah. So it, it's a bit difficult when you wrote something like that what we a did, long time ago. What we did change though, what, when we started writing the book, so this is probably something we shouldn't tell Petro or anybody else, but we decided in writing the books that we shouldn't give a fuck about what, stands, what was printed in the game. No. In any edition of the game. Basically, we started out what we think cult should be today. Mm. Our novels are much closer to how we would make a role-playing game or cult today, but it would be very different. There would be almost no motorbikes, definitely no people getting shot and then standing up again and getting shot again at the museum. But, um, but still, we like cross stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, Seven Sisters was quite silly gross adventure, and we're yeah. working on one now with Hermann Göring that is very gross. Very, gross. Very, very, very gross. Very gross. <laughs> gross. So, I guess we kind of falls into that. We fall into that grossness trap every time. But we did have to rethink a lot, at least for writing the novels. Yeah. Because the novel is a very different kind of beast compared to a role-playing game. We did actually rethink the whole entire background almost. So now it's much more. The books are much more connected to. Kabbalah to Jewish mysticism and magics to classical magical ruling like Alistair Crowley and uh, to the idea of man is a god but that's a fucking problem for everybody yeah even for me we did keep the part that we are the monsters yeah we are the gods and that's a problem we are the insane gods that everybody's afraid of what was your favorite aspects uh, for writing cult? I mean, I, I know uh, you guys talked about trying to bring in real magic into the book, uh, which I find fascinating and, and, and awesome. Uh, but what was kind of like your favorite thing to, to write about in cult itself? I like the city 
the angle. I think that's my favorite. Metropolis. I, I, Metropolis. I love cities and I love this idea of the labyrinth mm -hmm. as a place for humans to play. And in the books, we refer to a European movement called the Situationists, mm -hmm. who uh, turned against commercialization of uh, city cityscape and the city should be a playground. And I think that idea with uh, humans as mad and capricious and often very nasty and bad gods playing in this cityscape, that appeals to me. And for me, basically, I think the angle, the connection to Kabbalah with the Archons and the Death Angels mm -hmm. and the whole mythology there, I, did find it hilariously amusing to, <laughs> to think about uh, and create. So, and also actually finding that it was quite easy to connect this to the way real magic should work. <laughs> mm -hmm. Although it doesn't work, it should work like that. So I, I would like the concept of magic as it is, as it is in the game. Uh, can you expound on that? Just uh, what, what magic should be and, and how it's kind of reflected in cult? I think actually you should go as close to reality mm -hmm. as you can. You have, for me, it was always fun when you could use Crowley or anybody else of the late 1890s guys and their concept of magic. And we did use, as you see in the game, we also have a lot of connections to Alistair Crowley. Mm -hmm. We tried to use his tarot as a bit of inspiration as well. Alistair Crowley's tarot is a, sorry, the telephone is ringing. It's a wonderful uh, tarot. I really love it. Yeah, and, and also the idea of when you have humans as gods, then reality becomes a plaything. Reality mm -hmm. isn't a plaything. We are animals. So that uh, sort of rift between what we are and what we can imagine ourselves to be it's it's a, a bit hilarious yeah we, we, are, we are creatures prone to <laughs> very foolish acts aggradization or what you say in english we we try to make ourselves a lot bigger than we are yeah and yeah. cult is sort of in cult we are you can't be really much bigger than a god. Silly big and... In the books we do compare humans as gods to stars. Which is of course is a connection to Alistair Crowley, every man and woman is a star. Yeah. So basically, yes, he was right, we are stars. <laughs> but that's not so good and it's a bit silly yeah. and we can't handle it. So magic becomes kind of funny when you take it. And we have a lot of magic in the novels yeah. as well. Yeah. They are quite magic-centered. We, we do like yeah. magic. We like magic. Yeah. And so, like, you have uh, Cult Divinity Lost is definitely one of the more mature uh, games on the market right now. And, and definitely back then, we, we talked earlier about the, uh, you know, evangelicals popping up in, in Sweden and, and pointing their, their finger um, at the book. Uh, but what kind of was the inspiration or the the thought to kind of go that direction? I mean, there were other horror uh, TTRPGs and there have been Call of Cthulhu, um, 
<laughs> Delta Creed and uh, a few others, uh, but none of them have ever pushed the, the envelope as much as Cult has. We did play quite a lot of Call of Cthulhu in the 80s, so that mm-hmm. was an inspiration. And also, we thought, we can't do this Call of Cthulhu, we have to do something else. I know in Call of Cthulhu, the evil gods are outside our world, and they want to come in, and we are small and vulnerable. What if we just turn the table and say, we are the outer gods? And we want to come out into the universe and devour everything. Devour the little squishy mm-hmm. things. So, Call of Cthulhu was kind of an inspiration. We did think of somewhere of an antithesis to Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. So we are we, we are the monsters. We are the elder gods, basically. Yeah. And I don't think it's that much more gross than Cthulhu. You see us playing Call of Cthulhu. It's gross. <laughs> can be gross. <laughs> so we are coming to the uh, conclusion of the interview. Obviously, it's hot over there, and you guys have to write horrors um, or want to write horrors. Uh, but uh, before we kind of head out, obviously, do you guys have anything you want to say to the new fans, the old fans, and everyone in between? Oh, we hope that they can use our world to make their own awesome stories and that they like our ideas but can fit them to their own and make something. Make your own story. This yeah. is just a, uh, a groundwork for you to make your own stories. Never ever feel constrained by the rules or by whatever is written in, in the book. It's just a thought, it's just a concept. You can always change it to what you like. You are, after all, badass gods. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that. All right, so we have a special preview uh, of uh, a couple, uh, small little preview of their new book. Um, well, that's the first book, actually. The first book, is, sorry, sorry. Yeah, this is book number one. Yeah. Death is only the beginning. Death is only the beginning. And I read a part from chapter two, where one of our heroes, Clive, or turns up. Or not antagonist, actually. M- maybe not very heroic. <laughs> um, naughty god, he is. Clive stood in the courtyard between the black buildings of Columbia Square, back to, to the street, face turned toward the ruined stone clock tower. Diligence and order, his father Liam had said with a scornful laugh every time they passed the tower and slapped the back of Clive's head. Remember that, lad. Diligence and order. The clock tower was part of the philanthropic commissioner's utopian 19th century dream of a healthy working class embodied in the Gothic buildings that now mostly resembled prison barracks. The laundry rooms on the top floor had been converted into squats. Mountains of refuse stunk up the basement. Yellow smog lay like a lid over the courtyard whose paving was marred by deep craters left behind by the bomb raids in the war. The Gothic arches of the stairwells resembled church windows, five stories tall, filled with a compact darkness that bore up the ceiling. Clive wasn't alone. Another man walked by his side, perhaps not a man. The creature was humanoid, but 
genderless, wore his father Liam's face cut off from, to form a bloody mask stretched across its head with wire and hooks. Blood dripped into the shabby grey suit. I've seen this in a film, Clive thought. Maybe a film by Stuart Gordon. He understood that he was dreaming. When they arrived at the foot of the clock tower, he became even more sure that this wasn't the real London. The tower was higher than he remembered, a rock formation that blocked the view of the other buildings. This close-up, he could see that it was painted with eyes, mouths, and little grotesques. Those were his doodles. The same ones he had spent the 70s spreading around Berlin in the form of leaflets and posters. I've added something new, the face suddenly said, not in Liam's hoarse voice, but in a deep male voice that echoed behind the buildings. I made a note of our conversation about your granddaughter and her work. She used barbed wire, correct? Clive looked down at the pavement and saw that the courtyard was covered in barbed wire. He had waded right through it without noticing. His legs were mangled, the flesh hung in ribbons from his feet and under his kneecaps. The shin bones were exposed, the connective tissue in tatters. A trail of blood led, him, led behind him into the street. As he saw the wounds, sudden pain set in. He woke up. That's a, a, that's little, a part of it. That's a part of it, with a little ah. homage to uh, Stuart Gordon. Stuart Gordon which we liked a lot. So wonderful, so wonderful. Thank you guys so much for chatting with us. Uh, and uh, we look forward to hearing Thank you. From you. <laughs> All right, everyone. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, bye. take care. Bye-bye.